we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. I just want to come right out and say I'm one of those people that absolutely love Christmas. I love everything about this time of year. I love the music. I don't love the fact that my wife starts to play it about in September because it's a pretty long Christmas season. And we actually had to create some rules in our house, not before Halloween, not before Halloween. But every once in a while I come in the house, she doesn't know I'm coming home. There's Christmas music in September and October. But I love Christmas. I love the snow. I love the lights. My wife just makes the most beautiful Christmas tree. And I just love sitting on the couch and looking at the lights and drinking a cup of coffee, thinking and reflecting. I love Christmas. I love our Christmas stroll here in Bozeman. That's just one of the favorite things for me is to be around all those people and all of that energy. And call me crazy, but I actually kind of like going to the stores when they're really packed and crowded. If I'm not in a hurry, I like the stores when they're packed and crowded, that kind of energy around this time of the season. I love Christmas. But by far, the thing that I look forward to the most when this season comes is when we dust off that box of Christmas movies and we start talking about when we're gonna watch what Christmas movies. And we all have our favorites, don't we? Now, earlier I mentioned that we asked you to download the app. There were some instructions there. If you downloaded the Journey app, I want you to take out your phone right now because here's one of the cool things that we can do with our app. We can do live polling with people in the audience. And this is what I wanna know. I wanna know what is your favorite Christmas movie? Now, there's only five for you to choose from right there. So some of you are just thinking, mine isn't even on the top five. That's not fair. But here's what's true. As we look this up on the internet, these were the top five on the internet. And because it's on the internet, we know that it's true. So these are the top five movies to choose from. Do that really quickly, and we're going to see what the results are. Elf, yes. I love Elf. Just so you know, Elf won last night, too. Elf is two for two, which is my, I mean, how can you not like the movie Elf? But then Cousin Eddie, Christmas Vacation, am I right? Cousin Eddie, and, and here, this is true. Everybody, every family has a Cousin Eddie. Am I right? The reason, yeah, exactly. The reason that you're clapping and chuckling is because right now you're thinking about who the Uncle Eddie is, Cousin Eddie in your family. But here's what's also true. If you're thinking about it and you don't know who Cousin Eddie is, it's you. You're Cousin Eddie in your family. But one of the things that I find so unique about the Christmas season, it's one time of year in our culture where a religious holiday takes center stage in everything that we do. Our schools revolve around it. 
Our singing revolves around it. Our music revolves around it. Our retail economy revolves around it. A religious holiday that we celebrate becomes center stage. I was just thinking about it last week as I went to my daughter's choir concert and I listened to the songs that they were singing about Christ coming as a baby. As I sit in coffee shops, that same music, talking about the incarnation of our God. As I walk through stores, they're talking about it, thinking about it. And here's what I wonder. This is what I think for every one of us. We've got to come to that place during this season where every one of us, even if we are followers of Christ, where we stop and we think about what is Christmas really about? What was the big deal about this baby that was born in a manger 2,000 years ago? Why are we still talking about that today? What is Christmas all about? And so often when we come to a Christmas Eve time and during the Christmas season, when we look at the Bible, we're oftentimes looking at those biblical narratives of the life of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. We look at the stories of Mary and Joseph, the wise men, the shepherds. But I want us to take a little bit different look at it today because I want us to go beyond just what happened at that first Christmas. And I want to ask the question, what does Christmas mean? What is Christmas all about? What was God up to? And here's how I want to do that. I want to actually look at the Christmas story through the eyes of the Apostle Paul. Now, oftentimes when we think about Christmas, we don't think about the Apostle Paul, but the Christmas story changed his life. And I'm going to look at some scripture from a couple of letters that Paul wrote to a couple of churches. And scholars believe that these two sections of scripture formed what would be some of the early hymns of the church. They're written poetically, probably sung by the early church. But this early hymns that they would sing describe this journey that Jesus took. This journey that Jesus took for us. And that's what we're going to look through today is this journey of Jesus. And the journey starts with Jesus as the creator of everything. The journey starts with Jesus as the creator. Colossians 1, starting in verse 16, this is what Paul writes to us. He says, for in him, and that him is Jesus, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Everything was made through him. Oftentimes when I think about the creation, the creation story, Jesus is not what comes to my mind. But what Paul is telling us is Jesus is actually the agent of creation. Just think about this. Every rock, every tree, every star, every planet, if it was stamped, it would have a stamp on it that says made by Jesus. He made everything. You know what else would have a stamp on it? You would have a stamp on it. I would have a stamp on me made by Jesus. But Paul doesn't just say that everything was made through him or by him. He says we were actually made for him as well. We were made for him. Meaning that we were made for relationship with him. We were made for connection with him. 
We were made to know him in an intimate and personal way. But God had to break through some barriers so that we could actually come to know him in that way. If you're a parent here, what I'm gonna say now is gonna make sense to you because if you're a parent and a good parent, you've had this thought. Now, all of us, we want to be good parents. We have our days. You know, sometimes we feel like a better parents than others. But if you're a good parent or if you had a good parent, this is what a good parent thinks somewhere along the way. How in the world do I help my children understand how much I love them? How do I help them understand how much I care about them, how much they mean to me? I mean, at this point in my life, sometimes I'm just trying to convince my older kids that my wife and I don't sit in our room at night trying to figure out how to make their life miserable because I think that's what they think. But you know what it's like to be a parent because you're thinking, I love them so much, but they're just not getting, I know that they don't understand what I feel for them. So as I was going along with my kids as they were growing up, I used to always do these different things to try to over-communicate how much I love them. One of the things that I would do is I would always grab my kids and when they weren't paying attention, I'd be, hey, guess what? And now instantly a kid thinks, oh, something exciting is gonna happen. But for me, it was just about getting their attention, getting them to look at me. And then when they would look at me, I would say, I love you. You know, that, that works for about the first hundred times. And then they just start rolling their eyes like, dad, I know, I get it. There were other times that I felt like when I really wanted them to understand how much I love them, I would just get down on their level and I would just grab their face and I would hold them and I would make sure that they were looking me in the eyes and just say, look at me, look at me. And when I had their eyes, I would look right in their eyes and say, I love you. I love you. There are other games that I used to play with my kids Things like saying, does dad love you this much? Does dad love you this much? And they'd be like, no, no. Does dad love you this much? No. How much does dad love you? This much. That's how much dad loves you. Any way that I could to try to get my kids to understand how much I love them. Now imagine that you're God. You're not, but just imagine that you were. And you were thinking about this creation that you've made, these people that you've made, and you want them to understand how much it is that you love them. But you are God. You are God eternal. You are God immortal. You're God invisible. They can't even see you. You are God almighty. But you want them to know, I love you. I care about you. You matter to me. But you don't want them to just know about it theologically. You don't want them to just know about it theoretically. You want them to know it and experience it personally. What would you do? This is what our God did. He said, I want to make it personal, so I am going to become a person. God said, I'm going to make it personal by becoming a person. And that's what we celebrate here at Christmas. Jesus starts out as the creator, but the creator takes himself and he moves himself to the cradle so that he can help us understand who he is and how much it is that he loves us. And this is how the Apostle Paul talks about this journey that Jesus made from the creator to the create cradle. Philippians chapter two and verse five, it says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now just so you know, the context of what Paul's talking about here is humility. 
He's talking about this amazing humility that should mark our lives with one another. And the reason it should mark our lives is because it marked the life of Jesus. And this is to the extent that Jesus took his humility. As Paul goes on, he says this, who being in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he did something amazing. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He came to this earth, but not in the way that we would think. He came as a servant and he made himself in human likeness. Our God shows us what it means to become humble. He shows us what it means to become vulnerable. This creator God that made everything became humble so that he could show us how much he loves us. He went from creator to the cradle and he did it in the most unusual way. Humble, hidden, Bethlehem. Friends, we would not write the story that way. Hollywood would not write the story that way. If we were writing the story and the king was coming, the creator was coming to earth, we would probably paint fanfare, spotlights, big splash. But that isn't what he did. Humble, hidden. There weren't any spotlights. There was just a little flickering candlelight in a cold stable. There weren't any crowns when he showed up. There was just cows. That's how God chose to come. We didn't write the story. God did. And that's how he chose to do it. Did you know that God came in such a humble way that he didn't even circle the date that he came on the calendar? For centuries, the church had no idea when in the world are we supposed to celebrate Jesus' birthday? Did you guys get him anything? I didn't get him anything. When are we supposed to celebrate this? Some thought it was some day in March. Some, the Eastern church thought maybe January 6th. It wasn't until the fourth century they decided, let's just call it December 25th. And that's why we celebrate. God didn't even circle the date on the calendar for us. Humble, hidden. And you can just sit back and think, was that a mistake of God? Why, why wouldn't you come with a greater sense of hoopla than that? Was it a mistake or was that actually part of the message? Was that part of the message? If that statement is true, that the medium is the message, what was God trying to say by the way that he came? This is what God is saying. He's saying that if I am willing to be born in a barnyard, then you can expect me to be at work anywhere. I'll be in the bars, I will be in the boardroom, I'll be in the brothels, I will be anywhere to go to those people that I want to show how much I love them. He's saying there is no place on this planet that is too common for God to move in. There is no person whose heart is too hardened. There is no person that he cannot reach. There is absolutely no limit to his love. When the creator of the world came to Bethlehem and was born, so was our hope. Our hope was born. And friends, you know this. We need hope in this world, don't we? 
Because sometimes our life, more than we ever want to admit, resembles that Bethlehem stable, doesn't it? Absolutely it does. Crude in some spots, smelly in others, not much glamour, not always neat. And there's parts of your life kind of hidden in the darkness of the stable where the candlelight just doesn't quite reach. Places in your life that you just think, I've got to keep these hidden. I can't bring those out into the light. The guilt, the shame, the bitterness, the hurt, the pain, the anger, all of it. But God says, I will come there too. You've probably felt like Joseph a time or two in life, knocking on the door, knocking, knocking. I just keep knocking. No one's coming to the door. No one's answering for me. Then when someone does come to the door, the answer is no room for you. Rejected, relegated, pushed out in the cold, pushed aside. You probably come to that place sometimes where we're looking at our life and we just think, is there a place, God? Is there a place for a person like me? God, do you give a rip? Do you care? And it's in that moment that God screams to us from a Bethlehem stable and he says, I will come wherever you are to whoever you are to bring you hope. I want to come face to face with you. Bethlehem shows us that God wasn't willing to just stay in heaven and hope that we could figure out who he was and what it is that he wanted to do for us. He came down to us and became a man so that he could look us right in the face, eyeball to eyeball, hold us by the head and say, I love you. I care about you. You matter to me. Christmas tells us, the cradle tells us, God will go to great lengths to show his love for us. But the journey of Jesus, it didn't stop in that little cradle in Bethlehem. Paul goes on because that cradle at the end of his life was gonna move to another significant place, the cross. The creator, the cradle, he moved to the cross. And this is how Paul describes it as he continues in Philippians chapter two. Verse eight, he says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. God humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. God showed us what it looks like to be humble. God showed us what it looks like to be vulnerable. God made himself killable. And Paul says, even by death on a cross, because there was nothing more cruel and humiliating in the Roman Empire than a death by crucifixion. It was limited only by the imagination and the moral compass of the executioners. And there wasn't much of that. The victims would be tortured, they would be whipped, they would be nailed to a piece of wood, and they would be impaled with a spear, and then ultimately they would be hung naked and bloody to show everyone this is what we do to evildoers. But here's the thing, Jesus had done no evil. He had done nothing, but he was made a public example. He paid a penalty for us. He paid what we deserved, not him. And we can think about the baby in a manger. This is God being a, a baby. But it can't be said enough that that was God on that cross. 
Friends, it was God that took those beatings. It was God that took those nails. It was God that hung on that tree. It was God that had a spear run through his side. It was God that took the final breath. It was God that bore the weight of the guilt and shame and sin of the world. God did that for us. He lived the life. Jesus lived the life that we should have lived. But he also died the death that we should have died. And he died it in our place, the death that we deserved. Why? Why would he do that? Because he wants us again. He wants us to understand something. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter five, verse eight. He says, but God demonstrates, meaning he showed us. He showed us exactly what it means, but God demonstrates his own love for us, his kind of love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, he died in our place. While we were yet sinners, Paul said, he didn't wait for us to get our stable all cleaned up. He didn't wait for us to get it all together. While we were still sinners, he died for us. What was he trying to show us? The extent of his love. It's like Jesus saying, do I love you this much? And we say, no. Do I love you this much? No. Do I love you this much? No. And ultimately, Jesus throws his hands, says, I love you this much, and he stretched out his arms and he died for us. God demonstrates his kind of love for us in this. But that's not the end of the story. It was one thing for Jesus to move to the womb. It was another thing for him to die and go to the tomb, but the tomb is not the end of the story. And Paul ends this poem with the most triumphal note possible. Starting in verse nine, it says this, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The tomb wasn't the end of the story. The cross wasn't the end of the story. The story ends with a crown. Jesus has a crown. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. That was the journey that Jesus took to help us understand and know how much it is that he loves us. He started as the creator. He humbly came to the cradle, moved painfully to the cross to pay for our sin, and now is in the place of the crown. He is the king of kings. Friends, there will be a day everyone will bow before his name, will bow before him. But what Jesus wants is an opportunity for us to know him now. And that's the invitation that he gives us. Will we bow before him as the king of kings? Will we receive what it is that he's offered us? When we think about Christmas, it's that time, that season of gift giving. But there's something that needs to be true of us to actually receive a gift that's given us. And this gift that God has given us, the one thing that we need to do is we need to humbly realize we need the gift. We can't do this on our, on our own. We can't be self-sufficient, self-reliant, self-made, independent. Jesus has to do this for us. 
are we willing to bow our knee to him, to humble ourselves before the one who is willing to humble himself before us? You know, 2,000 years ago, there were a lot of people that watched the life and death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, and a lot of them kind of shrugged their shoulders and moved on. But there were some, but there were some that did exactly what Jesus asked, and they took that invitation, they humbled themselves, and their lives were changed forever, forever. And the ripple effects of their lives as God moved through them to change the lives of others, that's why 2,000 years later, we're sitting here on the other side of the planet talking about this baby that was born in Bethlehem. What are we gonna do with this opportunity? I wanna just ask you to set your things aside right now and I want you to just take a few moments to reflect on the magnitude of what we get to celebrate at Christmas, the magnitude of this journey that Jesus took for us. Just bow your heads. Maybe for some in this room tonight as we've talked about this journey that Jesus took on our behalf, there's been some stirring or some nudging in your heart and you just sense, I want to respond. I want to humble myself before the King of Kings, the one who was willing to humble himself for me. I want to receive what it is that he offers to me. I wanna have life and hope in him. I wanna help you do that if that's a stirring in your heart. You can do that really simply by praying a prayer that goes something like this. Prayer isn't magical, it just expresses what's going on in our heart in a tangible way. Jesus, thank you for loving me personally by becoming a person so that I could know you and have a real relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to break down all the barriers that keep me from knowing and experiencing you. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place to pay the penalty for my sin, my guilt, my shame. You didn't wait for me to get it all together, but you moved toward me. And I want to respond to you today by moving toward you. I need you. I open my life to you and I receive you today as my King and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin and giving me eternal life. I wanna turn from my sin today and I want to turn to you. Take control of my life and make me the kind of person that you want me to be. If you prayed that prayer with your head still bowed and your eyes still cold, I just wanna give you an opportunity to acknowledge that to another person. It's the biggest decision that anyone can make ever in their life. I just simply want to ask you, we'll do nothing to embarrass you or draw attention to you, but just lift your hand and make eye contact with me and let me know that that's a decision that I made today. You can do that now. Father, we are so grateful that you were willing to send your son. Jesus, thank you that you were willing to humble yourself, become a man, take on human likeness and become obedient to death, even death on a cross for us. And we exalt you now. We lift your name up because your name is above every name. And it's in your powerful and risen name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.